Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. If you started a game or you started a practice and you weren't playing like you were supposed to be playing, um, sometimes the coach would say, get your mind right. And what he was talking about was, hey, your mind is not connected to what you're doing. Your, your mind looks like it's somewhere else. You're not thinking like you should be thinking in order to do what you um, need to do. And so uh, if you've played any sports, you've probably heard a coach say, get your mind right. You've probably heard people say, get your mind right in, in other areas. But over the next several weeks, we're going to look at some scripture and how God wants us to get our minds right. And today, we're going we're gonna to talk about seeing a change. Seeing a change. I feel like I'm saying that weird. Seeing, like with our eyes, seeing a change. Is that, is that coming out? Okay, okay, good. Um, for those of you who are, are younger, uh, you, this is going to go right over your head, but for the rest of us, um, I, I want you to take whatever you're using to take notes right now, and there's something I want you to write down. I want you to write down where you were on 9-11. Where were you on 9-11? I want, you, I want you to write that down. Just, just, just jot it down as, as much detail as you remember. Where were you on 9-11? The next thing I want you to write down or type in, however you're taking notes today, is what were you doing on 9-11 when you heard about the, the plane crashes? What, what were you doing? I want everybody just, just take a moment, just, just write that down really quick. Just where were you on 9-11? What were you doing on 9-11? And then, and then next thing I want you to write down or type in is, is what did you do after you heard or you saw on TV what happened? What did you do after you heard about 9-11 in that moment? Or what did you do after you saw it on TV? And then one more thing, one more thing, and, and then I'm, I'm going to move on. What else do you remember about that day? What else do you remember about September 11th, 2001? What else do you remember about that day? Write that down or, or type that in really quickly. Now, now, there's a lot of research on how our mind works, how our memories work, how that operates and how it functions. But there has been a lot of research specifically around um, what they call these, uh, what they call them, light bulb events or flash bulb events. One of the two, I don't remember. But it's these major events in time and, and like how we remember them. So there were these researchers who the day after 9-11 came up with this idea that they were going to uh, 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 survey thousands of people across the country and get their answers to these questions. And then they were going to do it again in a year and then I think again in like 10 years. And what they found in this research is 60% of what you just wrote down or typed in is not correct. 60% of what you just wrote down or typed in is false. Now, I know what you're thinking, because when I was listening to this, I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. Uh, no, not me. I know where I was at. I know what I was doing, and I know what I did. After. Like, I know it. I know it. And so this research, they go on to say that the people who, who like, that they surveyed these thousands of people, they were super confident that they were correct. 
Like they thought, just like you're thinking and just like I'm thinking right now, that no, 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 60% of what I just wrote down is true. I mean, it's all true. 60% is not false. I know that this is all true. Like I know it's true. I remember it. I remember sitting on my couch in my apartment looking at the TV. Like I remember it. My wife remembers seeing it at Oral Roberts University on the campus screen um, in the little area where they go and eat, even though I've heard her tell the story and I've heard her tell it two different ways. 60% of what you just wrote down or typed in is not correct. Our memories are not time-stamped pictures or or movies that are ingrained in our minds. That's not what they are. We think that they are, but it's not. See, sometimes we think that it's nearly impossible to change our mind, but in actuality, our mind is changing all the time. Are you guys in Numbers chapter 13? In Numbers chapter 13, let me just give you a little insight before we begin. In verse 17, it says, um, uh, up until this point, the, the God had delivered the Israelites um, from the Egyptians. He had brought the ten plagues. He had parted the Red Sea. He delivered them. Uh, he, he, the Israelites were on a journey from Egypt into what was called the promised land, which was Canaan. And um, God had given them and told them that they were going to this land uh, called the promised land. And every day except for the Sabbath, God fed the Israelites with manna and with quail. And God produced water out of a rock so that they could drink water. He did uh, miraculously given them the Ten Commandments and done some other things. I mean, these people had seen a miracle, and they had seen multiple miracles, and they had seen not just miracles, um, but they had seen God do miracles in their lives and for their people. And we pick up in Numbers chapter 13. Um, Before I get to verse 17, uh, we have to actually, I don't have time for this, but but if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 22, the Israelites were, they were begging Moses. Moses to let them go spy out the promised land. They wanted to go see the promised land before God actually took them to the promised land. So in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, God says, okay, you know, go pick a leader from each tribe and let them go spy out this land. And, and we, if you just read Numbers 13 by itself, it looks like this is something that God is ordaining and God is speaking to Moses. But actually, if you look at the whole story, these people, they were begging for this and God is obliging. And he's telling Moses to send them out. So it, it tells us all the people that he sent out. And then in verse 17, it says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up to the, the to the, to the, that one. And go up into the hill country and see what the land is. See what the land is. See it. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and, some of, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the season was the first ripe grapes. Now I don't have time to get into all that's in this because there's so much in this story that you've probably heard preached over and over and over and heard amazing stories. But I want to point something out here. These spies were given specific instructions to go and see the land and the people. They were to go to see specifically were they strong or weak, were they few or many, were they good or bad, were they in camps or were they in strongholds, were they rich or they poor, were there trees in it or not. 
we always think of them going to spy out the land. But, but let's break it down a little level deeper. They were simply going to see it. They were going to look at it. They were going to a place to constantly focus on and diligently look at the land and the people. The land and the people. Now, they had assignments of certain things they were looking for, but they were going to see it. They went to see. What we look at is important. What we see affects us. What we see affects our minds. What we see affects those people around us. What we look at and how we look at things creates our mindsets. We want to talk about getting our mind right. There's research that says 30,000 to, 30, to 60,000 thoughts run through our heads every day. 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. And when we see something, uh, our mind engages with that and it begins to shape our thoughts. Many of your thoughts this morning have been on what you have seen either coming to this place or waking up this morning, whatever you saw in your house or what you saw up here, or whether you saw Brandon worshiping and lifting his hands in the team, like whatever is not just what we see, but so much of our mind and what we think is based on what we see. This is a part of the reason that Jesus uh, spoke in stories or parables because we can see it. It's the reason why, especially for us guys, we're visual learners, right? So if we can see something, we can remember it way better than if we don't see something. What we see is important. These spies were going to see something. Now, Proverbs chapter 4, um, verse 20, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21, let them not escape from your sight and keep them within your heart. So what you see, we've talked about this before, it gets into your heart. And, and when we go on and read the rest of Proverbs chapter 4, uh, as well as what Jesus said in Matthew, then, then the issues of our life come out of our heart, and what's in our heart is based in part on what we're looking at and what we're seeing. These spies were sent to see something in someone's. Now, there's this um, Christian neuroscientist uh, named Dr. Caroline Leaf. And, uh, and she says, our mind is separate from our brain. So our, our brain takes up this space inside of our head, but our mind is separate from it. And our mind literally changes our brain, but it has to be stimulated to do so. So the thoughts of our mind, the way that she describes it, um, and I'd encourage you to Google her and look up some of her stuff. It, it, is, it is absolutely amazing. I heard her several years ago at our home church um, and many times since, but but she talks about these, the thoughts in our mind, they take up real estate in our brain. And they begin to carve um, these patterns into our brain that literally changes the structures of our brain. One of the things she talks about is if you will make it a point to slow down and stop and think deeply every day, then your brain will actually get bigger and you will get smarter. I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> but, but our mind um, changes our brain. And listen, if you've grown up in the United States especially, you've seen some things you weren't supposed to see. It, 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 and I'm talking about not just because of your parents or because of what you did, but just because of God's standard. There's things that we see that we were never supposed to see. We were never designed when God created us to, to see some of the things that we've seen. Now, some of that is because of our own choice. Like some of us are looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. 
I see a lot of kids and youth in here, so I'm going to leave that right there. (laughs) But there are other things that we see, poverty, sickness, disease. God never originally designed for us to be able to see those things. They were never part of the original plan. (laughs) There was no sickness or disease or lack when God put Adam and Eve in the garden. And so we see things that we were never supposed to see. And when we see those things, it carves out space in our brain, restructures our brain, takes up real estate in our brain, and affects the way that we think. Because we're seeing things that we were never supposed to see. So if we're allowing ourselves to see things that we're never meant to see, then those things are going to take up real estate in our brain, and they're going to take up space, and they're going to carve out um, um, structures within our brain that is going to give us a mindset that is not of God. And today we're starting to talk about getting your mind right. Getting your mind right. And you may be like struggling with that or not really knowing what that means. And I'm telling you, some of that just simply, basically at its core level starts with what you're looking at. And what are you seeing and what are you not seeing? What are you allowing yourself to see and what are you not allowing yourself to see? When we keep reading here, um, if we skip down, so, so they go up, they spy out the land. Um, in verse 25, it says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. Now, spying out the land, what are they doing? They're seeing it. After 40 days of seeing this land, they're about to come back and give a report. Now, 40 days is significant. It's significant spiritually, and it's significant scientifically. Spiritually, we can go through. There's so much that the Bible talks about 40 and 40 days specifically. But even, even scientifically, um, a lot of research says that if you're focused and determined, you can break a bad habit in 21 days. Then 21 days, you can break a bad habit. And then in 21 more days, you could create a new habit. Which would be, let's do the math here. If you, if you don't know, just I need you to think more deeply every day and then your brain will expand and this will become easier for you. But, but if, if not, if 42 days. There would be 42 days. Now, this, I'm sure this is not exact. But in theory, 42 days to change from bad habits to good habits. What are habits? These are ingrained thoughts, that, thought patterns that are in our lives that we're just overplaying, overplaying again and again and again and again and again. And so it takes 42 days, according to this science, to go from bad to good. And here they were looking at these, this land and these people for 40 days. Just almost right at that number of 42. Now, I don't know if science is off by two days. Or if there's like a faith element in this, like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't fully have all of what I, what I believe about this that I can articulate yet, but, but you know, there's part of this and I don't have time for this. There's part of this that, that it just, God's not ever going to force us to do anything. There's always a level of faith. You have to walk by faith. Faith without works is dead. Like, like the reason that you don't have all the answers to all the questions that you have is because if you had all the answers, then it wouldn't require any faith. The reason that you don't know everything that's ever going to happen and what's going to happen the rest of the day and while is because it wouldn't require any faith if you knew all that. There's a level where God allows us to live by faith, and there's some uncertainty and some unanswered questions, and that's simply the reason. And, and maybe maybe he didn't allow them to stay the other two days just because then it creates that pattern where there is no more free will, there is no more faith. I'm not really sure about all that or how to articulate what I think about that, but 40 days is really close 
And you think about it, if your assignment every moment of, of the day for 40 consecutive days is to look at something, to see something, that's going to affect your mind. That's going to affect your thoughts. That's going to affect your mindset. That's going to affect your brain. So after 40 days, that's a long time to be looking at something and spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to, the, and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now remember, these were leaders from each tribe. So they gather everybody up together. And this is, this is really brilliant if these leaders are in faith because now each group of people will be hearing from someone that they consider to be a leader. So they're going to be very influential. So they don't just go back and tell Moses. They go back and tell everybody, and they, and, and they went up, uh, let's see, and they came back and they told everybody, and they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, now they were supposed to bring back some, some grapes, so they, they did that. Now, now, listen to this. It flows with milk and honey. Like right there, that should have been the end of it. Because if you know this story, God had already told them, the promised land that I'm taking you to will be a land that flows with milk and honey. So right there, this is confirmation that this is the right land. This is the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. We could stop the chapter right there. This is confirmation. This is God telling you, um, this, 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 <laughs> I probably should have thought of a better example before this moment. You know, some people, it's like, God, show me who my husband is. The next person that walks through that door with a gray shirt and a black jacket on is my husband. Right? Like, first of all, God's not answering that, and I'm not it. But, like, but like, but like this would be the confirmation of if that, okay, yeah. But God said it's milk and honey, and then they come back and they say, this is land is filled with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However... Oh, this is so good. Y'all need to stay for the 1030 because the 1030, I don't know if we're going to watch any of the football games this afternoon at 1030. You know, there's always a potential however. There's always a potential however. There's always a potential giant. There's always a potential enemy. There's always a potential battle. There's always a potential mindset that is not lined up with God that you got to get your mind right. There is always a potential however. Here, you say, however. It, it, it's the land because it flows with milk and honey. This is the fruit. Now, we didn't, we didn't go through this, but the fruit must have been so big and so amazing because they said that they took a cluster of it and they had to put it on a pole and it took two people to carry it back. Have you ever seen grapes like that? Because I haven't. And I like grapes. Like, these are some serious grapes. So they're like, it's the land God said, and here's the proof. However, 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 and sometimes, many times, even for Christians, this however, this enemy, this battle is what takes precedent over what God said. They had been for 40 days seeing this land that God had given them. They got the fruit of it. They got the proof. They got the confirmation. However, I just wonder what you've been looking at that God has promised you or God has shown you or God has instructed you or where God is leading you. And you got the confirmation of it. 
Maybe it wasn't somebody coming back and telling you this is land filled with milk and honey, but you got the confirmation, you got the peace on the inside of it. And you can see the fruit of it. You can see how big those grapes are. You can't even carry those grapes by yourself. But you're not there yet because there's a however. However. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Now, this is not bad because they were asked to go and look and find out, are the people strong or weak? The people are strong. The, city, the cities are fortified and very large. This is, this is fine. This is what they were supposed to be saying. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, now let me just tell you this really quick. This is, this is so good. But they're like, okay, so the people are strong. The cities are, are fortified. They're not, they're not weak. They're, 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 they're fortified. And, and, oh, by the way, by the way, there's um, the people of Anak are there, and the the Israelites would have known about the people of Anak. You may not know about the people of Anak. The people of Anak were giants. I mean, they were literally giants. They were, um, I, don't, I can't get into all of that right now, but they, 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 some, <laughs> some thought that they were like this mix of human and angel. Like they were, they were giants. So like these giants are there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. We're just going to go with that. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So here what he's saying is they were all spread out. So these people, they are big, they are strong, their cities are fortified, and they're all spread out. None of this is wrong. This is what they were asked to report on. This is what they were asked to go and look at. And they're looking at it, and they're seeing it, and they're reporting it. You get to verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, Caleb spent 40 days looking at the same thing that these other spies were looking at. He saw the same land. He saw the same people. He saw the same grapes. But maybe Caleb was thinking, hey, hey, yeah, they're big. But if they're big, that probably means they're big and slow. And they're an easier target. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're big, but we can get them. Maybe he's thinking, they're too spread out to be able to come back together in time to fight and defeat us. Maybe he's just by faith saying, God's told us this is our land. It's flowing milk and honey. It's clearly it. I don't know exactly what Caleb was thinking here, but he did not accept every thought that came into his mind because he saw the same thing as these other spies. And because he saw it, surely he had the same thoughts. He had to have had the same thoughts. If he hadn't had the same thoughts, then as soon as they start telling everybody, then he has the same thoughts. Oh, come on. Y'all ever looked at something and saw something and then somebody else talks about it and you're like, oh, (laughs) I guess that is, I never thought of it that way. I never saw it that way. So clearly Caleb has had the same thoughts. He's seen it the same way, but he's not accepting the same thought. You want to get your mind right? You can't accept every thought especially, especially every thought that you hear from other people. 
even if they're looking at the same thing you're looking at. Oh, man, we see that in church all the time. People come and they sit in the same services, and they leave not just positively getting something different than what you got, but they leave (laughs) grumbling and complaining about something that you never saw. You, you go to your job. You sit. You, you see the same things that your coworkers are seeing. But they're leaving saying something else than what you're saying. They're giving you new thoughts. Or they're reinforcing thoughts that, that are coming to you that are not from God. And you got a choice. Are you going to accept the thoughts and go with the crowd many times? Because Caleb said, I'm not accepting that thought. I'm not accepting that thought. I'm going to get my mind right. I'm not going to allow my mind to blindly just follow the crowd. I'm going to get my mind right, and I'm going to think according to what God says. I can't get ahead of myself for the, for the coming weeks. But he does not accept every thought, and he fights his thoughts with words. He doesn't sit back and think, huh, I wonder why they're only saying the negative. I wonder why they're only saying that they're strong and fortified. I wonder why they're not saying that we can do this, that we're able to do this. He doesn't sit back and just think and wonder. He actually steps up and speaks and fights his thoughts with words. Sometimes your brain is so big, you've been thinking so much, you're so smart, you need to to speak up. Maybe not to other people, maybe to yourself. You've thought this all the way through. You know you don't have enough money. You know you don't have enough education. You know you're not smart enough. You know you're not strong enough. And you just keep thinking this, and you just keep thinking this, and you just keep accepting these thoughts that are coming to you. And you need to speak up and say who God says that you are and what God says you can do and the promised land that God has for you. Some, maybe in your, in your quiet time, you need to be a little less quiet. Caleb speaks up. He fights his thoughts with his words in order to get our mind right our thinking has to change what we see has to change the the other spies they told everyone that they were not able to take this land because the people that occupy it are stronger in verse 31 that's what they say then the men who had gone up with him said we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out, that we have went to see, is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. I don't know why they keep talking about height. Height is overrated. Height is highly overrated. That's why God don't look at height. I just needed a moment. <laughs> they keep talking about hype. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, which is the whole thing we were talking about earlier. And listen to this. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. One thing that's interesting to me about this is the spies, they were asked To evaluate, not to compare. They weren't asked to go out there and determine whether they were strong enough or tall enough 
They were just asked to go find out, are the people strong or weak? Are they rich or poor? Are there trees or not trees? Are there cities? Are there a lot of them or are there not a lot of them? Are there, is it fortified or not? Like they weren't asked to do this extra. But their mind, after seeing something for 40 days, really I believe that they didn't have to see, got these ingrained thoughts of, man, look how big they are. Wow, look how big they are. Yeah, yeah, the land's great, but look how big they are. It sure is fortified, but look how big they are. Look how big they are. Look how small we are. Look how big they are. Man, I'm small. Man, I'm big. Yesterday, um, my, my boy, he was playing uh, football, and, and I was over here on this field trying to get a good seat because you know how us parents do. Like, I don't want to be behind all the other parents. There's only so much sideline to be able to see, so I got to get there early. I get in my seat. And the team they were playing was, was like 30 yards from me. And then Isaiah's team was like 75 yards from me. And I was looking, and I was sitting there, and I was like, man, the team we're playing looks really, really big. I was thinking, I hope this is just because they're closer, and it's like the angle, because if not, like, we're, we're, in, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, man, they're big. And at first, I didn't think much about it, and then the person next to me is like, man, is that the team we're playing? They look really big. <laughs> and then I look down there, and I look at our team, and I'm like, man, we look really small. They look really big, and, I, and you got to get there early. Like, the team wants you there an hour early. So for, like, 45 minutes, I'm sitting there looking at their team, looking at our team like, man, they're big and we're small. In my mind, we had lost the game before the game started. But I wonder how often we do that as Christians. Like, we're looking at the other team. We're looking at the enemy. We're looking at the problem. We're looking at the howevers in our lives. We're looking at the giants, and we're saying, man, they're big. And I see me right across the way, and, man, I'm small. They're big, I'm small. I'm small, they're big. I'm small, they're big. They're big, they're small. I'm small. And what does that do? That creates real estate in your mind that affects your actions, that affects your destiny and your purpose and your life, which affects the people around you. And part of what God's saying to us right now is get your Get your mind right. Because those big old guys that was playing against our little old guys, they're not as fast. My boy, is playing, he was playing cornerback, so he plays on the outside. And, and, and in practice this week, he was doing great. These guys were coming at him, and he was, like, pushing them. He was getting physical. I was like, who is this kid? It was awesome. But in the games, they just kept running at him and blocking him. And I... And I I'm a coach, so I do. I got all these videos. I'm like recording every plays on the field. And we don't just watch the touchdowns. We go back and watch. Like, hey man, you let this kid block you, and he's like, Dad, look how big he is. I said, Okay, so what's your advantage? His advantage is he's big. What's your advantage? He's like, Well, I'm, I should be faster. I'm like, What else? Because see, he doesn't think being smaller is an advantage, but I know it is. Because I've lived 40 years figuring out how being smaller is an advantage. I played basketball if you're new here. I got a scholarship to play basketball in college. But you know what? You wasn't stealing the ball from me. Not because I was a great ball handler, because ain't nobody coming down here. Like, that's my advantage. <laughs> ain't nobody getting down here. 
We, Trent, Trent, this guy in our church, he's like 6'5". He played basketball Wake Forest. He's a great basketball player even now as he's getting old. He's not here. I can say that. But wherever we go, he can guard anybody on the court. And he tries to get up on me. And I'm like, dude, you can't guard me. You're too tall. You cannot. Those long arms are not coming all the way. Look, I don't even have to bend that much. And I'm here. Like I'm here. In a normal athletic stance, I'm almost touching the ground. That ball is coming up eight inches every time I dribble it. You're not getting this ball. It's not happening. But I, I had to learn how to see my advantages. So I tell my boy, use your advantage. If you're faster and you're smaller, get lower and go quick. Don't stand up and let him hit you. What we've been doing as Christians, we're just letting Satan hit us. Like he's bigger. Okay. I didn't even get to it. There's, there's, there's a couple things that I wanted, I wanted to make sure we got today. Choose what you see, but you also choose how you see what it is that you see. See, Caleb saw what everybody else saw, but he chose to see it differently. You want to get your mind right? You got to start seeing your situation, your daily lives, your spouse, your family, your church, your money, your, your future. You got to start seeing it differently. There will be a potential to see the however and focus on the however. And God, I know you've called me to this. However, I don't have any money. God, I know that you want me to do this. However, God, I don't have the education. God, I know this is where you want me to go. But however, God, I just don't know anybody that's there, anybody that can help me. God, I know that this is my next step. However, I don't see an open door. And you can keep focusing on the potential however. Or you can be like Caleb and shift that focus. And shift not just what you see, but how you see it. And say, God, I know you want me to do that. I don't have the education, but I'm well able. God, I know that you want me to step into that. I don't have the money, but you are my provider. God, I know that this is where you want me to go, but I don't know how I'd get there. I don't know of any open doors. I don't know anybody there. But God, you know all things. And I'm going to shift my perspective. I'm going to change what I see. And the things that I see that have those big howevers, I'm going to change how I see them. We have a choice in what we see. We have a choice in how we see. And many people think it's too difficult to change your minds, especially when you get older. You just say that they are set in their ways. But this is simply not true. Our mind is always changing. That's why 60% of what you wrote down or typed in at the beginning of this sermon is false. Because our mind is always shifting and changing. And if we will change what we see, if we will change how we see it, then we will change our minds. What we're going to talk about over the next several weeks is how do we do that so that we get our mind right towards God. And we get our mind in the same space with the same wording and the same thoughts and the same sight as God. Because we can get our mind right according to the world, according to what we want, according to what we think, and we can miss out on the entirety of what God wants to do in our lives. Or we can get our mind right on what God says and what God wants. And man, it may not go the way that you think it was going to go, but it'll be so much better than you could have ever imagined. 
Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.